0: What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go.
1: All right. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Um, fun day today because we actually have questions we do have questions and not just the questions we've been pretending that people have been submitting that's the, that is true <laughs> no i'm just kidding we haven't even done that as you've heard yes. um but uh yeah we actually have questions we uh or chris started by putting out some prompts on uh our facebook uh groups
0: <laughs> yeah speaking of that guys if uh obviously if you haven't maybe you followed us on Facebook. Chris Ordom or the beginner to advanced music production group or the continuing music studio, Facebook group. Definitely. Uh, you know, like those pages as you will see really cool updates on tutorials and podcasts and more. And it'd be cool to connect with you guys.
1: Yeah. We'll actually plug ourselves after we should after 17 (laughs) episodes, I think it's about time. It's still pretty soon. There's only, this is the 18th one. So there's really haven't been that 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 many. That's true. That's That's it's probably a pretty appropriate time now. I think so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And we're going to have to make sure I'll go through these. And, um, when we, Make sure you tag these people in, uh, when you do your post on Beginner Advanced. Yep. And the one dude specifically asked to be tagged because he doesn't want to have to search it out.
0: That makes perfect sense. We will tag you all.
1: Cool. Um, all right. So starting out, should we just start with the questions? Dive in. All right. So Steve Henshaw asks, do you have any tips on convolution-based reverbs and how to modulate their output slightly so they don't sound static? quote-unquote, or maybe tips on when and why you'd want to use a multiband compressor or limiter on a mix. So two different questions here. Um, I can't help with the first one because I've actually never delved into convolution-based reverbs. Mm-hmm. I know what they're about, but I would be lying if I said I had experience with them. So I'll let you hit on that because okay. I know you've messed with some.
0: Um, well, I have used convolutions. I use the East-West Spaces. That's kind of my main one. I know other ones out there that are great are Altiverb and... Um, there's another one off the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of what like it is. Like Manny's
1: is a convolution as well. The Waves, one, the Waves one. That's the only one I've ever touched and I barely used it. Cool, cool. Because I demoed it.
0: Yeah, they're good. there are different... Okay, so there's two different kinds of reverbs, right? There's an algorithmic reverb, which is like your basic lexicon reverb, sonics reverb, something like that. Most reverbs are algorithmic yeah. reverbs. And then you have an impulse response generated reverb, which is what convolution essentially is. And so we've touched
1: on this on an earlier podcast. We have. Like
0: really early one. Yeah. Um, so go listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> go, definitely
1: go check that out.
0: As I'll, I'll so just explain up.
1: what convolution is. Yeah, yeah, so
0: in in one sentence, I would say that it's essentially it's a recorded sample yeah. of an, an audio, like an actual physical space, that's converted into what they call an impulse response. So it's an acoustic space that's then rendered to a digital file. So I guess in in Steve's question. Um, you know, I think automation is your, your key here and your biggest friend. I know a lot of convolution reverbs now are coming out with massive parameters, like you can automate 40, 50, 60 different preferences on it. The east-west, what I like about it is it's really basic. You get input gain, you get output gain, you get wet, you get dry, and then the option for filters and that's all. So what do you think he's hearing when he, when he says static? my guess on static i think we talked about this in a podcast or two ago was i I was talking about my theory behind what i call static mixing versus dynamic mixing or no just with convolution reverbs why would he his because he's speaking about convolution yeah 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 yeah. i think it's an automation thing because like a static in my mind applies or implies something that's stagnant that doesn't have any movement any fluctuation over time so i think by automating the parameters of the reverb it would give it a more dynamic performance and feel like a static wash of reverb. yeah
1: that's what i'm confused though because i feel like he would have tried probably messing with um what what was what did he say he wanted to do something about the input no he said so and how to modulate the output slightly so they don't sound static
0: yeah i think that's that would be okay so i would say in terms of modulation the first thing that obviously comes to mind is automation automating of course well, that's what I was going to say uh, next. Yeah. I said, why not then, why don't you do this? Um, why don't you take the um, the reverb send and then run that reverb send after it to another send with a flanger, phaser, chorus, pitch shifter, um, delay, anything like that, and then modulate the reverb trail with an, a modulation effect. Yeah,
1: I mean, I would say just try putting a chorus on um, just because most choruses will have a dry wet knob. Right. And so you just put it on right after the on right, the send. Right, right. And then... Uh, just mess with that a tiny bit and um, try that out.
0: Yeah, Um, I think that's a really good way to go about it. I I think, you know, Convolution is, they're kind of designing it to be as authentic as possible. So I think that if you're looking just, I'm just thinking outside the box here, but if you're looking for like a modulated sound, I would probably lean towards an algorithmic design because it has way more parameters for modulation and those reverbs are designed to be more synthetic. The whole reason you go convolution is to grab a space like like to record the cathedral that you're not gonna go take a pair of microphones yeah, to exactly. record you know, I would I would want the sound as is if it were me. Yeah. And I would go algorithmic if I wanted more control over the parameters and yeah. modulation.
1: And then another thing is is how many different algorithms is he trying? And then why does he think, if he's tried literally 200, then why does he think they're all static compared to algorithmic? And if he really, there must be something in the convolution that he likes, but he's still not getting that he could get with an algorithmic or he just wants something more. I would just say mess around with the effects after it. Yeah. And then do some automation if you need to or compress it. Um, and then use some yeah. effects or something.
0: I would say a question that I have for you, Steve, is like, why Why are you trying to modulate this convolution reverb? Is it your favorite? Do you like the sound of it? Do you have other reverbs that you're really not a fan of? Is this your only one? I think kind of getting some more info on that would be like a good follow-up to this. But yeah, I think, I think uh, the, the moral of the story here is automation and effect sends, multiple yeah. sends, yeah. Cool. Let's try some stuff on it. Cool. Yeah. And
1: then um Thanks Steve. You yeah. rock.
0: He has one more actually. Oh. We have
1: plenty of time.
0: We do have plenty of time. And I just want to say on the topic of Steve Rocking, because I just mentioned this briefly, that he's probably one of the most active members in our Beginner to Advanced Fusion Production group. And I just want to say, Steve, we really appreciate you, man. You come with a wealth of knowledge. Your perspective is always really awesome. You're always really kind and looking to help other people. So I just want to say Dom and I really value you in the group. And uh, you know we're happy to know you and to be working on music with you. Anyways... Cool. Part, part two of Steve. In fact, turn around. We're looking at you right
1: now. We are. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So then he said, "Why would you want to use a multi-band compressor or limiter on a mix?" So the limiter one. Break. Let's let's talk well, I into mean, two categories. I, actually, I just read that. Like, I actually, just comprehended that he said limiter because that's not one that people usually ask about because people. Usually that's the first thing you learn about let's, is let's, how much yeah. to smash your bus. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> for sure. With an L
0: two or multiple L twos. No,
1: that's perfect. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: Why don't why don't we go back and forth? Let's split yeah, it exactly. into compression and then limiting. Oh no, multi so it's multiband compressor right. specifically. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah. start with multiband. Yeah. And I've just started to really appreciate these, so this is perfect. Like cool. uh, literally a month ago, I wouldn't have really had much to say. I would be like, Yeah, use it if you need to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you need to. Right. But now I basically use it on every mix slightly, but it really helps.
0: I can't get away from them. Um, I, I've always been a fan of Dom knows this, I've been kind of talking about dynamic EQ for a long time. And a multiband compressor is a wider version, like more, more specific, Surgical and yeah, specific. Yeah, and, like a, a dynamic yeah. EQ is like a surgical multiband yeah. compressor. So like the two of those, let's just group those in the same category and it's called the multiband dynamics process. Well, here you
1: talk, yeah, you talk about your dynamic. Like I can talk about why. Yeah, you just go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Go for yeah,
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know yeah, we're going on this. Yeah. All right, so like here's, um why why the why if i can answer the why in one word it would be movement if your mix is lacking movement and you want to move certain frequencies to play with one another um then i think that would be the main reason to use it the second main using would to be corrective um like a lot of guys like one of the most standard practices for multiband eq are on a vocal for instance uh there's dynamic tons of EQ. youtube dynamic of course yeah. we Keep if I say EQ just for the segment, you know we we know we're talking dynamic multi band etc. What they do is like when the singer is singing in the verse, generally it's not as a dynamic of performance. There's not enough energy in the voice compared to the hook. When the hook comes in, different frequencies, different harmonics are emphasized. So what a lot of engineers will do is they will like use a multi band um, EQ to maybe remove some high end or cut out a little of the low mids only on the hook because the vocal performance changed during that section. Um, So that would be a corrective, one use for corrective. I think for me and what I use, I could not mix without them. I really feel that. Um, I could. I could use single band compressors. I could use EQs. But what I'm able to generate movement-wise with multiband is the most priceless tool in my workflow i think on the first podcast dom even asked me if i could have something in hardware what would it be and i said a multi-band eq compressor because those don't exist in hardware dynamic eq hardware exactly yeah yeah. so that that is my favorite tool um i use them for everything i'll let dom kind of share his thoughts i know what he's going to say and then i can kind of base what the second part i was going to say off of his recent uses for this in fact he showed me a cool tip just yesterday
1: Um, no, well on dynamic EQ, uh, I just showed you, I just told you an instance when I had to use it because nothing else would have worked and been as transparent. And that was on the hip hop beat where I mixed a hip hop beat and the kick and the snare were in the same track and I needed the snare to be way down. And, uh, so I just used a shelf on, I forget how, where the shelf started at, but let's just say three K, um, for this instance. And then, um, Every time the snare hit, it would duck it down. But if I use an EQ to take it down 2 dB, then my everything 3k and above on the kick which might not be that much but i just didn't want it to be taken out unless the snare was there and it's right. only for that instance was that 3k shelf being dipped down to be was in this when the snare is being hit and especially when the snare is being hit you're not going to notice what the kick's doing because the snare's so loud anyways on a hip-hop beat right and so it was what like 100 percent more transparent than just throwing an eq on there and it That's was a just, perfect why yeah, for corrective just, use yeah, right there it was just the yeah. best yeah and i uh, I mean, for movement wise, I generally go towards multiband compression for that because it's more gradual. And right. I don't, you know, I mean, you could use and some wide wider. bells. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: just, yeah. it's just basically a wide, huge, wide shelf <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. 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 No, I think, um, you know, that's, there's a difference there. Like, for instance, if I just want 1K to pop. Just 1K, exactly. like 1 800 to like 1.1 yeah. dynamic EQ. But if I want, like Don was saying, the whole presence range to pop, then I would use a multiband compressor. What do you mean by pop? So you're talking about using upwards? Both. Or I mean, like you're both. talking about... Well, like if I use upwards, then I'm just picking the presence band using upwards expansion. If I'm using downwards compression, I'm gonna minimalize the other bands around the presence range. So instead of boosting, I'm just cutting what I don't need essentially. Yeah. I don't do that very often. Generally, upwards expansion is the way I go 100% of the time. And the thing is, I I use upwards expansion almost as much or if not more than I use downwards compression just because um, usually, and I'm mixing a lot of dynamic EDM stuff too, so like in a rock, and this is all, like my techniques are really EDM is an extremely production heavy genre. You know, I wouldn't use half these techniques in rock because there's no reason for a guitar note to ping out versus something else because I'm usually dealing with, you know, four synths playing at once versus a stereo pair of guitars. So I think the application of it is definitely based on the genre, but I would say that um, movement, separation of frequencies, and you know, to give your, your feel, like the mix, more dynamics is, is the easiest way to do it because versus using a single band compressor, maybe you just want the mid-range to pump in a cool way behind the vocals and a single band compressor won't give you the ability to do that. You'll have to pump the lows and the low mids and the highs equally the same. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that.
1: Cool, so is it my turn? So what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait. Wait, wait <laughs> on you, man. Just in your world, Dom. Chill. Just, <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I only mainly use uh, multiband stuff on my mix bus. I mean, multiband compression. I'll use dynamic EQ in the mix more often than multiband compression, mm. um, just because it's usually corrective stuff. But I feel like the movement of multiband compressors does really well on the mix bus. And I'm not saying it's the only place you should put it. That's just where I found that I've enjoyed it and it's not too weird, um, but yeah, I just have certain presets that I've just found that I like to use. Um, the yeah, this one Fab Filter preset that controls that literally says control lows and highs. Great preset. Yeah, and it's just it takes it allows you to hear what's going on up top and down low. Still, like we're talking almost non audible ranges with mm-hmm. this preset, mm-hmm. but it just really what I get from it. Um, and if you have the Fab Filter Pro MB, um, it's just it under stands the for it,
0: Pro Multi. Yeah.
1: um i think people got that yeah (laughs) we should give them more credit um but yeah it's under the mix bus setting and it's the first one that says control lows and highs and uh i just mess with both thresholds simultaneously just so they're both getting about a db down and it just helps focus everything into the audible range and just takes kind of the, I just, instead of using high pass filters and low pass filters Mm -hmm. to take away the junk up top where you're really not hearing, it does it and it lowers the volume a little bit in a very pleasing way and just lets it pump, you know, just more movement instead of just an older school style of just Mm -hmm. using a shelf or something, Mm -hmm. which is gonna be really static and it just, sounds a lot more modern to me a lot more of the age.
0: Right. Yeah. It's good to be of the age. Yeah. Especially yes.
1: with EDM. This is also, I mainly use the EDM, but it works with, this
0: works with a lot of different genres, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dom actually showed me that two days ago when he was over here and then I tweaked the patch and then renamed it the Dom. Yeah. So now I have a patch which called I, the wasn't Dom. my original it, at all either. But, it, it was not. Yeah. It was nowhere close, but, but it started from yeah, Dom's idea, yeah. which was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that, um, It's, uh, I want to, because we we talk about limiting too. So I want to talk about that real fast. Yeah, we got time. We we only have a few questions anyway. Absolutely. Um, uh, But like what Don was saying on the two bus. Okay. This is what I want to caution people. Like the two bus is the most, and you can, a lot of people agree with this. And I said probably the most, yeah, the most dangerous, Mm. dangerous, let me stress again, dangerous place. D box. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) I have a D box. It's great. (laughs) I love those. Um, To put. a a multi-band compressor if you're not super familiar with it yet i would say start with it on individual layers and understand how it kind of works get your mind around it It took me a long time to wrap my mind around how it worked even though i got it i didn't really get it compression especially multi-band compression is one of those things where you're like for years i was like i get it and then i would get in the mix i'm like i don't really get it you know and it's like but i i like intelligently understood it but i just couldn't get the compressor to do what i wanted to do quite yet um so I would say that the one thing just to consider with mixbus bus limiting or multi band limiting is just really be aware of your attack and release. That's really the most critical thing like an L2 was the standard for a long time, but it's like a one button trick, you know, there's no attack and release Is there release. With, is there a release mm-hmm. on the L2? There's auto and a release. Oh, but not like you there's just like two options. You can't like dial in you like can dial the exact in the millisecond, you can't. Yeah.
1: Oh. The attack um I don't know if FabFilter does it because they allow you to attack, which is weird for a limiter because your FabFilter s- lets you do the attack. No, I'm saying it's weird that it does oh, because yeah. with a limiter the whole point is to not let anything pass a threshold. Yeah. So if your attack is a certain way, then they must be still shaving off all the threshold but then somehow like making you think you're doing a faster and slower mm-hmm. attack.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: weird how they do it, but I just, so it makes sense that waves wouldn't even have thought of that because the point is, is to keep everything stopped at a brick Absolutely. wall. You Absolutely. know, so it, the attack thing is really, really weird. Like yeah. For a, like the release makes sense. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, just wanted to say that. No, that's really
0: good. I think the only reason I bring that up now is you guys know me. I've said it across multiple episodes. Like I I like options. I like having control over something like an LA2 is great, but I find myself not using it often because it just has one thing that I can do. Um, But I think with compressors, um if it doesn't have attack and release i'm really bummed you know i don't like the fixed stuff because i find like you're kind of forcing it at that point like oh okay it's a little slow it's a little fast but it'll have to do kind of things so i would say with with limiting if you're going to go with like a really basic limiter like the mic dsp1 or um a waves or something like that um, just, you know, the set it and forget it limiters, those are cool. But if you're going to go to a maximizer, which is essentially what a multiband, um, you know, limiter is band maximizer, just be be aware that you can use it in creative ways if you have control over the attack and release. I find that, and the side chain for that matter, if you have a sidechain control, that's even better. Um, but a multiband limiter or maximizer would sound great on a mix bus, assuming one of two things, the mix needs, like like what Dom was saying, like clarity, Uh, And just chopping the lows and the highs a little bit in like a really present kind of way. If it needs enhancement in a certain band, like maybe you get to the mix bus stage, you're too lazy to go back to the mix. You're like, okay, my track's lacking lows, so I'm going to punch those up a dB just from, you know, 60 hertz to 120 hertz or something like that. And then maybe you want to do the same thing on the top end. What do you mean punch it up? So you're saying compress those, then bring it up? Compress those and then bring the gain up afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. clarifying yeah yeah yeah, said. yeah for sure yeah yeah um so the and like corrective work too like if you get to the mix too and you're feeling like there's dynamic you choose great on a mix bus if you need it is it, it is because it's a lot more subtle absolutely yeah, yeah. The subtleness, like always, just think in your mind. Dynamic EQ is going to be yeah. like the the subtle, more transparent way to go. The multi band approach is going to affect you know gradual bands. But I think um, you know the the for me the reason I use maximizers are on subgroups. I I haven't put a multi band maximizer on a mix bus in a long time. I use a single band compressor now. A, a Pultec EQ and that's pretty much it. Uh, but on subgroups, I feel like those can really pump and move together. Oh, in a cool way. I didn't read. So he said multiband
1: compressor or limiter, meaning both multiband. I read multiband compressor or just limiter. No, gotcha. so I think he's talking, because I'm sure he knows what a limiter does. That's why I was confused. Right. So it makes sense why he'd be like, because the Brainworks Maximizer is a, right. like V, what is that monster called? The V3? The, the Brainworks Limiter. I forget what it's the called. limiter. It has a multi band limit. There's a BrainWorks multi band limiter. Oh, really? And it's. Oh, I it's, didn't even know that. It's one of those things where you'd have to really delve into right. and get good with it. Yeah. A Cause, lot of their um, products okay. Well, on that note, I never use multi band limiters. Okay. I don't have any. I never use them. And, uh, I could technically make the Fab Filter one. I can. There's. Don't you have the
0: the Waves LL3 or whatever it is, the Multi Maximizer.
1: No, that's the, just their multi-band. You thought you said LL3 a while ago, but no, I I have the Waves. I think it's a limiter. No, it, it's the um Waves uh just L, it's linear phase multi-band.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
1: And I only it was really cheap on sale, and I got it because I heard Greg Wells talking about it.
0: Yeah, I and, think it's uh, a peak. It says here, I'm looking at it's the peak limiter. So it's cool. L3 Maximizer. It. It. It's this the, is the one I was talking about. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I know
1: they have that, but that's not what oh, I Oh, okay.
0: All right, you continue.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I also have the linear phase multiband by waves. Oh, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a um, and you can't use that on the mix unless you want to put it on every channel because of latency because mm-hmm. it's linear phase and you mm-hmm. can't do anything about that. So there's just one setting called like multi-electro mastering that I got from Greg Wells, yeah. and I was like, it's worth a try, and I actually really like it. I get the problem with the wave shit, especially that when it's older like that, yeah. the you can't see how much you actually gain reducing because right. like the. Fat filter stuff, which is always going to be come back to it because it's amazing because I right. put everything in it's there. So you can great. make the you it's can so make great. the graphic go down to three dB, so you yep. can see if you're getting negative or right. 0.5 dB of gain right. reduction. Right. But with this um, Waves one, it goes by six dB, yep. and there's no markings in between that, and it's a really small window, and you yeah, can't. Yeah, the resolution it. is like garbage. And so yep. it's like I have to just watch it just move a tiny bit. Right. But what I love, and this is why I use multi band, um, compression on my mix bus, is because that, that um, preset has a shape to it because everything's set up in a way where the low mids are gonna hit first because mm. the threshold's lower. Mm-hmm. Then it's gonna be your subs. And then shortly after that is the most important part, which is your um, mids. Mm. And then after that completely is your highs. Right. And then which is great because I use that other preset for my highs anyway. So right. my highs aren't even being touched with this, uh, um, what I call it, multi-electro-mastering uh, yeah, preset. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's great. And my generally, I just do it for my low mids. So I'm just using it to pump my low mids in a way where it's more musical than just cutting it out. Right. And so I just use it for that reason. Nice. And it's just very subtle. Like I'm getting, at the most, a dB and a half. Nice. With, with both plugins. Nice. You know, I just, cause like you said, you can get nasty with them quick, real quick, They really quick. They should be very sparingly a and just a little, dB, little a half goes dB a goes along.
0: You wouldn't think, and the thing is you're probably not going to hear it at first and that's totally yeah. cool. That's actually probably a better thing if you can't yeah. hear it. Cause then you're like, okay, no harm, no foul. Yeah, exactly. I'll leave it on the mix kind of thing. Yeah. They can do a lot. They're really cool if you dial them in right. Yeah. It, you just got to take time to do yeah. it. You know, that's the only thing is, is compression is all about, you know, every setting matters, like the, the sensitivity of the threshold, the sidechain filter, the attack and the release, like down to the millisecond, you know, 10 milliseconds too fast or too slow, you know, might cause something in the mid range that delaying it or speeding it up, which, you know, you don't necessarily like. So I think the key. With multiband anything is just like be as present as you can be be as objective as you can be you know close your eyes shut off your brain turn off your thoughts like stop analyzing things and look at things and say to yourself okay What is really happening? What am I feeling? You know, like gauge the air pressure, you know, turn your speakers up loud, you know, feel it, see how it's hitting you, turn it off. And that's what you're doing is you're creating shifts in the frequency range. So there's going to be an alteration of the sound pressure in the room. So it's like crank your speakers up and see if you can actually hear what's going on. No, it's very important with multiband uh, stuff because
1: they're very, very visual. So you're going to get very caught up with watching things move on them. Right. And you have to start closing your eyes with those. You have to, um, like one yeah. of the most important things, yeah. um, when you're a being, cause you, there, everything's graphed on them. There's right. not one that isn't <laughs> right. So right. definitely get like, I just put my mouse to the bottom left of my screen and my display shut off. Yeah. And I use that all the time. Where'd you get
0: that trick from?
1: I don't know. You have a screensaver come up, which I thought was super annoying. Mine just shut off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, I, I went, I upped it, you one. <laughs> well,
0: it was, it was my, my screensaver says mix with your ears. Oh. Uh, and it's like, I had to do that because in my old location, I would accidentally do that all the time. And I just put that up to like, as a gentle reminder to myself. Gotcha. Cause I wasn't so good at that cool. time. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. yeah it's great. Yeah. It helps a lot. Yeah. And then
1: allows you to black out your room. All right, we definitely touched up on that a lot. I um, would say we beat that horse we, to death. If uh, we m- somehow missed what you wanted to talk about, then
0: obvi- just to ask us again, and uh, or just, just yell tell at us and yeah. be like, "Hey guys, that was a giant waste of twenty minutes of my time. Uh, please value my time." Yeah. More. So and this we'll, next we'll one, never to do that.
1: Steve didn't end up giving us any um, examples because he's on Australian time, and he is has, that Mr. Benelick Yeah, Benelik. Benelik. and Ben-Lick. he is a. Uh, Sup, Steve. What's up, man? Mad love, Steve. Mad love. Um, your group's doing great. He has a really fun group. And he does. he really encourages participation. And uh, What's the name of Steve's group?
0: Steve Benelik Mixing and Mastering. Remember that, guys. Good luck spelling his name. Good luck. <laughs> but the good news is Steve's group is also featured at the Beginner to advanced Music Production Group. So if you just want to go to that or you're already in that, just go to the featured groups and you will see Steve's group. Awesome. So his questions a bombshell
1: because this is something everyone would know how to do and unfortunately there's not one secret there's like a million secrets and his question is um how do you make things sound 3d (laughs) when listening Mm. to pro mixes i almost feel you could look at the kick from all angles also distortion guitars on modern metal is on a whole new level so it's not here anymore right it's up here it's way up there it's like he's talking about distortion guitars so clean guitars are they haven't changed levels they're they're fine yeah Yeah. they they haven't evolved steve's got those down he's he's nailing them it's specifically (laughs) distortion guitars on modern metal any other genre is fine um so this is like something we're all striving for but sometimes you don't even want that too because it makes it sound too high fi. so it's like it's a blessing and a curse not saying i have the blessing <laughs> right <laughs> or the curt not saying i have it perfect and i'm trying not to use it cuz obviously everyone can be a better mixer but um yeah getting things 3d man where do we even start mm. because it all starts mm. with the thing is it all all starts from the beginning and this is something you'll hear time and time again but it's frustrating because no one wants to think oh i'm not done yet and i can't move to mixing yet
0: Sound design, guys.
1: Sound design, Sound design. or recording Production, techniques. Recording. Yeah. Any yeah. any way that you're getting your initial sounds, yeah. it's everything. Because think about it. If you don't have the proper mics chosen or the proper tech... God damn it. Sorry, I have a bunch of... I don't know if you can hear that vibrating. But if you don't have a bunch of... Um, different mics around that you can counteract with each other. So you might use a ribbon on one thing. So when you stack a condenser against it, the ribbon's going to sound more distant because the highs are rolled off and the condenser's going to bring the other one forward. Um, There's a lot of different weird things where if you don't have that, if you're using SM57s on everything, unless you're really, really good mixer... And you're just starting. You're not going to get that natural three nat- uh, natural three Dness no, right away, no. and you're going to be struggling for it. And right. you're never going to get it as good as if it was there already. And then you're enhancing it. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can don't get your static balance up, and things aren't sounding a little bit three D, and everything's sounding completely two D, then it just wasn't a well arranged song, or you know, it's or not just, captured properly. Exactly. Or just you're the, lazy. The original you know. engineering before it got to mixing just yeah. wasn't professional. Yep. It's just simple as that. And well, you just got to make things your best, but let's talk about if things are perfect. Cause that's, you know, we can, sure. be, we can beat the horse to death and say yeah. that it has to everything do has it to again. Like, yeah, Rerecord yeah. it. But let's say you get that perfect client. <laughs> right. where are like, wow, this sounds fantastic. How do you enhance that? Sure. And
0: what do we do? Sure.
1: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start out by saying oh, one word contrast.
0: Do. Contrast is huge. Yeah. Yeah absolutely that's
1: so that's basically all that's like sums everything up with 3d for me well think of of everything ties into that like your reverb choices everything ties into contrast
0: it it has to be it has to be this and by the way steve i i really like how you phrase the phrase you can look at the kick drum from multiple angles i thought that was a really cool way to articulate that really got me thinking um but i would say to pick up where dom you know left off on the contrast issue put it this way okay um think of music in a rule of 3s all right you can only um focus on three things in the mix at once when when you're an average listener not an engineer right so that means generally uh the beats uh the the vocals and some kind of a melody guitar hook or lead that's it that's all the listener can focus on so it's like you have to keep that in mind when positioning your things in the mix. Okay. What's, what's first order of hierarchy that I want people to hear What's second, what's third. So it's like, if you went to a kick drum and you felt that this kick drum was like this circular 360 degree, um, you know, atmospheric hit in, in space, that means that they probably chose the kick drum to be one of those three elements, which is step one is determining your hierarchy for the song and what you want the listener to focus on. Now, They did that with contrast. And what Dom was saying by that is that chances are the whole mix itself, every element does not feel as 3D as that kick drum felt, which means they chose to process the kick drum in a three-dimensional plane to make sure that, that you felt the energy of that and that's where the space was gathered. Then they probably understood that and then they chose reverbs Modulation effects, panning assignments, and then kind of sculpted the three-dimensional image with the other instruments to play in a nice contrast with the kick drum for animals. Definitely,
1: and I something that's really, really good to do when you're mixing is change your volume, mixing volumes around. If anything, keep it kind of low. But if you're gonna, are you, you talking
0: like your monitoring volume, or? like what's okay. coming out of your monitors? Right. Yeah.
1: So this really helps with 3 neatness because what you're gonna do is if you're used to mixing really loud even if you like EDM's fun to mix loud cuz yeah. you well, you want to feel that energy everything's fun to mix yeah. loud yeah. well especially you know yeah, yeah. music no, know that's going to be played through PA's yeah, is yeah, yeah fun to mix loud but what you do no matter what you're working on is turn your vo- volume down really low so like it's whispering out of your monitors mm-hmm. you shouldn't hear every element in your mix if you're hearing ele- every element in your mix then everything's 2d right because nothing's contrasting with each other and you right. have no you know depth there's nothing quieter behind where your ears aren't reaching as much right. and there's nothing poking you in the face so like chris said the rule of threes so um people like i think Will I Am has this mastered he literally has like three elements in any mix mm-hmm. going on at one time. Sexy and I Know It. Like, think of how simple all mm-hmm. those um, LMFAO oh, songs sure. are. Yeah. Um, I'm a B. Massive song. Like, um, he's just perfect at it. If right. you want to listen to anyone who keeps shit simple, it's Well I Am and right. all of his shit. Like, uh, tonight's going to be a good night. I yeah. forget what that song name yeah. was, but yeah, yeah. it's so simple. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Big hits. Oh, yeah. All Huge you need. Hits. He knows yeah. how to do it. Yeah. Anyway, so all you do lower your volume down almost all the way to where things are just poking you you should hear two or three elements coming out if it's a hip-hop song really all you should be hearing is the snare pretty loud the vocal louder and then the kick like just barely behind both of those and everything else should be pretty damn quiet for mod this is just if you want to copy what they're doing today because i listened to a lot of hip-hop stuff recently everything's super quiet besides the beat this, and which is like basically the kick and snare and hi hats right, and the vocal right. and everything else is like just washing in, in the background. It's right. still clear, but like very well done to where it's like you hear it, but you don't need to, he, you mm-hmm. know, it's not, you don't have not focusing on it. It's just right. helping drive the song. And if you lower that, those songs down a lot, all you're going to hear is just the, the beat and the vocal. Right. And some other little things too, that are still kind of the beat. Cause they get really intricate these days because of mm-hmm. trap influence. But, mm-hmm. um, that's the best way because when you raise everything back up, as as long as you kind of tuck everything behind it at that point where you're like barely, barely hearing them, you're gonna get a good little uh, depth going on in your mix, and you can adjust it from there and add effects and enhance things. And mm-hmm. but you don't need to hear everything at all times. That's right. what I'm trying to say. When things are low, just the important things, because your ears are actually gonna like it better. Right. Like right. whether you think you need those backing vocals to be really loud too, because they're exciting at the time, you don't. You know. Right. It's just constraint.
0: Like. Yeah. And it's just it, it's sticking to the vision, you know, yeah. it's like under. And if you don't have a vision, that's your first step. Yeah. What is your vision? What's you know? the most yeah. important thing? No, for yeah. sure. So it's like it's starting there and then going about it. And I mean, let's say too, like take it a step further from what Dom had been leading up to is, in, OK, let's say you did everything. You, you killed the recording. You killed the production. Yeah. You, the sound design is great. From there, you know, your plug-in choices just have to be based on what the contrast is with the drums. So, like, and, and really beyond that, like, it, what do they are with the guitars? What do they are, excuse me, with the vocals? So, it's like, it's up to you to figure that out. I mean, great ways to, you know, a kick, we'll, we'll break, get away from kick for a second yeah. and just talk about 3D mixes. I mean... I think if if I could summarize a 3D mix in three words, it would be contrast again, and we're talking about frequencies and volume and panning. We're talking about... Um use of spatial effects. So how your reverbs and delays and choruses and all that are intertwining with one another and, and playing off one another. And the third thing would be um, just a an ability to close your eyes and feel like like this, the walls of the speakers have disappeared and there's no ceiling to the room. So it's like when I... Am listening to a very, what I call a visual mix, I can close my eyes and feel like I'm not in a square anymore. You know, I'm in a yeah. square room. You know, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like I'm just floating, kind of like I did when I uh, sat in an isolation tank once, like one of those flotation tanks. When, when you can close your eyes and meditate long enough, you actually don't feel yourself floating in the water anymore. You feel like you're floating in the abyss of space. Like that's how I kind of think about when I'm listening to a good mix, I feel like my body or my consciousness or my awareness or whatever is floating through like the void of space. And I'm just feeling all the sound waves hit me as I'm like traveling like an asteroid through it. That to me defines. Like I a think mix.
1: that's a very amazing description of a Thank good you, mix of a Thank visual you. mix. But I feel like people already experience that. And there the frustration is how the fuck but, do they get but there? Do they? You know what I mean? that but No, but he's saying that he understands that there's such a thing as he understands. No, but that. he's physically hearing it cuz he's talking to us about it. He didn't hear someone's he says he can see a kick in 3D. Because he didn't that's say. Fair. I heard someone that, say. It. He's fair. talking from experience.
0: Okay, you know. So okay. he, his that, frustration is
1: how does he get to, that, he ma- to that amazing description? That that so you're describing something that you're elaborating probably more on what feels. he's getting sure. at. You know, I, you you probably. Okay. I mean, we like because we've been in this longer we might hear it at more detail and understand more of the 3d dimension of what's possible but he already like understands that all it's right possible. L- let me yeah.
0: preface this by yeah. saying this okay like i fully agree with that statement i don't want to obviously steve you know put you know your own thoughts into your own head what what i can say though and i just want you to ask yourself this because inquiry and like self-growth is like a really important thing like are you really hearing that uh, on the level that you are because if you are Um, what is stopping you from achieving that in the mix, just not knowing what tools to use? Because like when I, two years ago, when I thought I could hear three dimensionality, it's nowhere near what I feel today. It's nowhere near what I get in the mix. And like, I was even telling Dom with the production I'm working on now, which is my first release, I have no compression on it, like barely any spatial design yet, not a lot of reverbs, but I already feel depth. Like it already feels 3D. Same with mine. And and I'm in the production phase. I'm still in sound design. So that's the thing is like, Like, I question to see how deep your perspective goes and I only challenge you to do that to see can you go deeper can you really get present can you maybe do a short meditation or something before you mix go into it then and instead of thinking and saying well I think this sounds wide or I think this sounds 3D or intellectually processing it like are you really feeling like spaciousness you know are you feeling like you go from feeling like a human to feeling like like a speck of dust just in the midst of all this sound coming at you so i think that's what i was kind of getting at um and to achieve that i think within plugins uh, again if i could pick three simple things off the top of my head it would be reverb it would be delay and it would be modulation meaning chorus flanging and stuff like that and i think that is the best way that i personally achieve space in the mix but i will say that that's pre-sound design, like I'm not adding, like I'm not going into serum and I'm not picking a sound and slapping a reverb on it. I'm taking that reverb off of it. I'm designing the sound, I'm layering the sound, and then I'm going back later once I'm in the context, of the mix to say, okay, what reverb does the mix need to give me three dimensionality? And I think a lot of times with room mics, when people are recording organic instruments or with sound design with synths, everybody's so heavy on the effects In the production phase, because it sounds better, by the time they get to the mix, you realize this isn't really working. And I think that's what's working against you from achieving a three-dimensional space.
1: It goes so deep, though, too, because even within reverbs, a huge thing that a lot of people do is... They put all the reverbs wide and that's not right. going to help you get 3d no. all that's going to help you do is get a wide 2d mix right so with reverb you, so with yeah. reverb you really got a foot like a lot of different even use stereo width plugins that can make things mono Sure, or wide, and really focus on not having all your reverbs in the same spot. If you're someone who likes to use a bunch of different reverbs on a mix, then use them in conjunction with each other so the drums are maybe like wide overheads or something, but then also have the room reverb you're using dead mono. And so it glues the center together, and then have your vocal reverb really wide. And so the drums are going to get that nice space right down the middle, and then the vocals will be nice and wide, and that's just going to help create dimension as well. But then also, just to touch up is you were talking about sense a lot and steve never works with sense yeah so i just wanted to touch up on something that would help him a lot yeah, yeah um it. with rock mixes um you missed a very important thing and it's just eq like how our ears perceive frequencies right, right. and if you just know like when things are far away you hear more um you hear a lot more uh, high frequencies right you um, do well yeah. it depends on how loud the sound source sure. is sure um it's so for instance like it's, you can kind of just trick the ear because actually, cause a lot of times we want something to sound far away we actually shave off the highs Right. Um, and you hear a lot more lows especially if it's like through a wall when things are blocking it right it's a little bit different if you're like in open air, yeah. but um, most of the time, if you want to trick the ear into thinking something's far away, you take less highs off it because our ears are attracted to the mid range and you just duck that down. Like 1K is a really good frequency for ducking things down and pushing it back in the mix, but not losing clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it just has that kind of effect on things like one to 2K range. is really good for that. And so I would just experiment with that. So um, if you have everything balanced really well, just start EQing things back. Like I just use really gradual shell filters just to start pushing things back in the mix. Just, you know, just in the mid-range and just start pushing things back. And mm-hmm. it just helps a lot. Yep. Um so EQs is my best friend for dimensionality. I start with that and then I just use reverbs and delays or to enhance it. I mm-hmm. never tr- I never use those to push things back right away. Cause if you they don't they'll push things back pretty far, but if it's things are 2D and then you use reverbs to push them back a lot, then you're usually saturating with the reverb a ton. Sure. And it's really effect heavy. And I don't sure. normally go f- like no, too much I, for that. I, you know? I agree. But I think so. I think you automatically do that with EQ without even thinking about it. Because once, you, yeah. once you're used... Because that's me too. And I just... I know when I want things back and I automatically just EQ things for that purpose. Right. But it kind of becomes second nature at some point. And that's all I was going to say is I know you already do it. It's yeah. just you didn't think about you know because it's just so ingrained. I, I, I skipped a few steps yeah. to say the least yeah. in my
0: explanation because compression
1: I, can help a lot Your
0: ep- dude, settings, saturation yeah. can affect a lot you know delaying a reverb reverbing a delay yeah. you know there's so many like I, what I was saying with the space is that like is EQ paramount? Absolutely. Like, is is shaving off low end and just reverbing the mid range great? Like, yes. Dom made a good point, and again, ties into contrast, one of the big themes he talked about. A mono reverb in the center, and then a wide reverb on overheads. Like, but those obviously would need to be EQs, right? You wouldn't want low end in the in the width. You know, you'd want that to be more mid range and mid and yeah, I'd highs. Yeah, I use the Abbey Road thing yeah, on that Yeah, band pass it pretty heavily at like you know seven hundred to like four K five. Well, I said put the wide reverb on the vocals and the room reverb on the drums but sit different either way yeah like like yeah. yeah the point is like like you don't just slap a reverb on a source it's like you have to mix the reverb yeah like you don't like oh yeah automation is really key too for like for space maybe the reverb automates in and out with a low cut filter and the lows cut in and out or the highs cut in and out or you route the filter or you route the reverb to a side chain compressor, and then the reverb ducks in and out with the kick drum, or you automate the volume of the reverb um, coming out of a chorus or something like that. So all those are going to create space. Um, I think with dimensionality, though, obviously EQ is a huge, huge component of that. Because like obviously anything that's not bright is going to feel farther back. So it's like everything should always be EQ'd. I guess what I should have said, which I'm glad Dom said, is like, anytime you use spatial processing, like no matter what it is, you should always be looking into possibly EQing out what you don't need and then possibly adding a little bit more of what you do need. And then that paired with automation, I feel, will give you like a really, just do that alone and spend an extra day on your mix just doing automation, filter ride, stuff like that on your sends, and then listen to your mix, guarantee it'll be better than the last mix.
1: Yeah, and I'm very familiar with Steve's amazing- mixes um i've uh, heard a lot of his through his group um which they do like a monthly different mix which is awesome cool. that people compare mixes you know oh, just fun. to help yeah. share different yeah. ideas and yeah. be like oh i like we did on that like how'd you get the guitar tone and everything it's really cool nice um so one thing i would tell you to do specifically is to try to keep more volume differences in your stuff because by the time you get to your mix bus i know you like to use a pretty heavy mix bus chain um as far as it affecting the sound a lot mm-hmm. Uh, I would say to um, if you're gonna keep limiting and compressing the way you do, uh, you could use more of a dynamic um, difference in your volumes of uh, just your different tracks. Like for instance, you could have your kick drum a little lower or just the important three like like we're saying, you could have your three sticking out more than your background stuff. Right. Um, And then when you limit, it won't squash that dynamics down as much and bring it, cause limiting's always gonna take it down to 2D a little bit. Like that's why we have professional mastering engineers. They're the professionals at keeping that 3D element that we get in the mix. So anything that you put on your two bus should not be taking away from that 2D or 3D-ness. And I feel like you're kind of suffering from that. So I would actually recommend mixing without a mix bus for a while. or very, very light, like shave off a DB with your limiter, maybe shave off two DB at the most with your compressor, do very light EQing, um, and just rely on your mixing. That will get you, cause I didn't use a mix bus for my first two, three years of mixing. Cause I didn't trust myself to use it. I didn't know what I was doing. I just would have been throwing stuff on and hoping it was helping it out. So that's just my advice. Um, I just, I would try it on your next mix. Just maybe even not using a mix bus and then putting on at the very end to try to just enhance things you've already done instead of, um, just hoping it's going to help if that's the case, you know, but yeah, hope that helped. Um, it's a very touchy subject cause that's mm-hmm. something that's kind of like a holy grail of mixing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have those mixes, mm-hmm. but a lot of my favorite mixes also don't have a 3d quality. So there's, Not every mix yeah, needs a rock, 3D quality. But if you're hearing mixes that you like and they do, then that's a thing because then you want to, you know, right. at least be able to do that. Right. It's a tool right. as much like once you know, like, yeah. yeah. It's a different type of energy too because it's, it's very professional sound and sometimes you need to be more sublime with it. Sure,
0: absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, Some, I it's agree. Like, do you want to briefly touch on guitars real fast? Steve was saying something about guitars.
1: I, I just think with modern, modern metal, they're probably just EQing the shit out of just bring it in your face and just contrast from everything else. I, I, I don't listen to a lot of metal, but I just assume that everything's just very like
0: mushed together besides the guitars and vocals. It's, it's, it's a really different style of mixing. Yeah. Metal has always been different. Everything's like it's, low. it's, it's, it's very, so scooped. it's very scooped. It's very clicky. Um, yeah. the, the kick drum's very clicky. Everything's triggered. Um, I think just it, cause I've listened to a lot of metal over the years. I used to be in metal bands. Um, So it's like I've studied a lot of the tone. I mean, some of my favorite guitar tones were like August Burns Red and Hatebreed, like the old Hatebreed stuff off Perseverance, Poison the Well, um, you know, a lot of those kind of bands. So it's like their trick is really it's a combination like Joey Sturgis is kind of like the master of this. He did like um, As We Came As Romans and all these other bands like his guitar tone is great. And he's using a lot of uh, pod farm stuff by Line Six. Uh, it, so it's cheap. It's really cost effective. Um, he actually makes bundles, not to you know plug a bunch of Joey stuff because I don't personally use it because uh, I'm I'm not mixing metal or anything like that. But I have worked with people mm-hmm. that have mixed metal. Sidewinder. Sidewinder, Sidewinder is a great. Wide dinner, yeah. not winder, wide, but wide Yeah, it's That's, useful once in a while. It is. That's for your 3D depth, Steve. Plug yeah. that on your mix. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Joey Sturges stuff is really good. Um. UAD makes some really good amps now. IK Multimedia actually has a bundle. I think it's an amplitude where they have Mesa triple rectifiers and orange amps and stuff like that. So I think with guitars, it's a combination of two things. Uh, Everything is heavily triggered now, heavily, heavily triggered. So it's about getting a sample library together that you can trigger tones, distortions, you know, back end with DI and stuff like that. So I think it's about, you know, where we started this conversation, getting a good DI, So you can then parallel that in with like amp distortion in the box, but also just getting a really nice amp with tubes. I mean, for metal, I still have a triple rectifier and mine's heavily modded. Like I changed all the tubes out. I upgraded the power supply and mine sounds like a Mesa triple rack on steroids. And it's for metal. It's great. I wish I could use it more often because it's such an amazing tone right out of the amp that I would say, you know, make an amp selection too. get one high quality Engel or Hughes and Kettner or Mesa or Orange, you know, that costs two or three grand and you're going to get all your tone out of those 14 tubes or whatever in there. And man, you can do a lot because all those guys in those metal bands, they're using some great amps. With 57s, but again, it's the head. Oh, well, you're gonna, yeah, 57s are gonna be great on of course. those, you know. Yeah, yeah, but the point is, yeah. like, they're capturing a really good tone, yeah. then DIing it and paralleling that in yeah. with a digital tone from a PodFarm or a Line 6 or, you know, IK Multimedia Amplitude. And those are all amazing products. I mean, they, they those amps sound damn good, damn good. And anything modern, you just kind of have to
1: think out of the box, like, why do things not sound dated in modern? And for instance, things like multiband compression were not invented till recently. Yeah. Upwards compression wasn't invented till recently. Um, which is something I've actually really liked lately. Um, and, uh, just uh, like paralleling, um, digital stuff in with the analog Mm -hmm. and just getting really creative and being able to do that. There's a lot of different tones and stuff you can get that will poke your ears in a way that sounds original and new. Um, and so, it's, uh, yeah, like Chris said, just get crazy with it. Just start doing more and then shredding away yeah. what you don't want. exactly. Like, it's, not, it's not gonna hurt to try. That's the amazing thing about, I know mm-hmm. for a fact that you're working in Pro Tools in the box, you can try anything you want, which I'm sure you do
0: already to an extent. Mm-hmm.
1: Just get crazy
0: and then don't have to use everything. Just mm-hmm. try it. Totally. And I will say uh, a fun thing. I just looked up on my computer. There is an awesome website out there. It's called premier guitar and they have uh, a segment they call rig rundown, which is badass. I've been looking at this for years and you can look up all your favorite players, what amps they use, what guitars, what pedals. So if you ever, you know, want to scour eBay or Craigslist, maybe you can pick up one of these amp heads for like 300 bucks and get closer to the tone you actually want. Yeah.
1: I just got a uh, vintage um, Roland chorus pedal Oh, cool. And it, it takes... It's like what's on the Juno. Yeah, yeah. Like um, but the John, John like Fershante uses yeah. it on Blood Sugar yeah. Sex Magic. And yeah. uh, you can take stuff from mono and put it into stereo. So I'm really excited to oh, use that. Cool. But the way the chorus does it is, even though when it sums to mono, it's still going to sound chorused. Yeah. It doesn't... Tre- it doesn't um sound badly nice and you can still hear most of the signal so i'm going to be using it on background stuff cool you know that tickles the ears yeah but um a
0: good chorus is really hard to come yeah by. and
1: those that chorus i mean i have the juno 106 and it's the chorus is just amazing it's just staple on that yeah, thing yeah yeah um but yeah that's another long-winded yeah. answer to but yeah. a very long-winded question because yes. you can say oh just eq properly oh just use reverb properly right. but it's implementing these things that right. in the theory behind it and then each mix is different and right there's so much stuff right. and this is the type of thing where it would really help to kind of get um to be able to watch someone exactly um, yeah like a one on well, one we mixing, all just like to one, sit like, around and watch people mixing you know? situation yeah or something. totally <laughs> yeah
0: for sure for sure
1: um but uh yeah so that's that cool, cool. um we have one last another kind of long question so let's get to it well, let's, um let's this is going to be one of our longer
0: podcasts but it's good um it's it not is. like we we're got some uh, quality a grade material here it's not
1: like we've been limiting these for something for a reason
0: we're not um, just dicking around here dom yeah. we're talking about important life-threatening matters
1: life <laughs> enhancing let's Life-enhancing. say enhancing
0: um you feel threatened no it was a joke I'm just I, was, I was trying to be sarcastic i know you don't feel I was threatened i was being sarcastic too. i know you were dumb i was being facetious as we, well we just had a battle of sarcasm <laughs> i believe you're the clear winner there i was gonna that, say uh, and i lost uh, so, <laughs> who knows i was also being sarcastic there too <laughs> oh, dumb. i would have been sarcastic as well i know you were all right uh, what, what is our what is our final request from our our awesome audience tyler
1: hinkleman what's
0: up ty um, I was not aware of your existence
1: till recently, but I'm very, very <laughs> thanks, <Ty>. grateful <laughs> nice <meet> you <laughs> that you reached out because I don't know everyone in this world. Oh, you didn't
0: say that. You're saying that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Tyler but, is super
0: active I, on, our, yeah, on our, Yeah, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm cool. just not aware. Well, Dom, but, Dom, Dom is happy to meet you. I yeah. am welcoming you, uh, first as oh, of a, a, a quasi guest. Uh, yeah, dude, you, you rock, man. You always uh, submit really cool stuff and, and share cool stuff. So thanks, man
1: a lot of the all three of you so far have been you guys are all squ- great like i know the Gold first two stars very well. for everybody. yeah everyone's super active and i mean steve has his own awesome group anyway so of course he's super active right but um all right tyler hinkleman so he's has summing questions and it's actually in the box summing questions Love so this summing. is uh Yeah, so we're going to have stuff to say about this. Um, And it's actually a great topic because he's talking about in the box summing, which a lot of you would have access to. So his question is, uh, so I recently picked up the Waves NLS, which stands for Non-Linear Summer. I put the bus end on my mix bus and route my channel busses to it via the channel side of the plugin. It offers the SSL, EMI, and Neve emulations. It makes a world of difference but it's basically just adding color. I'd like to know more about the technique and whether or not it can be used creatively or be used creatively to really liven up a mix rather than just running channels through it. Also, Andrew Sheps does what's called a two bus, which kind of runs on the back end of the mix. Not entirely sure how he does it, but I feel like it's another bus that gets signal from the mix bus. I think the mix bus and the two bus are basically the same thing.
0: He's actually, I think, talking about the rear bus.
1: Oh, his like...
0: Andrew Shep's 1176 Parallel Yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah,
1: it's just a parallel mix bus. That's all it is. Yeah. It's Um,
0: essentially, it's called the Rear Bus because on his Neve console, there was a bus called Rear Bus. So essentially, he would just send, he sends bass, guitars, and vocals pretty much. No, he sends everything but drums and bass to the Rear Bus on a four-to-one, ratio or all buttons ratio now he's using it in the box at a two to one ratio with the universal audio plugin, but he's essentially paralleling in and getting about two decibels of compression on certain elements before the mix bus before parallel so it goes out of the main faders via aug send to the parallel bus and that parallel bus gets fed into the mix bus so okay. he's like compressing like what he's doing is essentially compressing his mid-range together his vocals guitars and stuff like that through an 1176 for color and light compression and then that's getting fed into the overall stereo feed of the track gotcha
1: cool so it's not paralleling with it it's just going into it he's just he's just doing a stage with those first before it's just it's just a parallel compression return it's not like separate it's just like no because if it's going back into the mix bus right that's what you said
0: yeah, well, it's, it's just like everything else. Everything's just like stereo out yeah. and then just going to the final fader.
1: Okay, well, yeah. Okay, so he has a parallel of all those things going into it and then he sends it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then he's just feeding into different things into it to his taste. Exactly. Kind of like what, yeah, what we would do with, things totally. like we do all the time yeah totally. yeah just set up a compressor it's just a standard parallel yeah. compression bus that's cool. all it is it just sounds fancy because bus. yeah because
0: he's andrew sheps and he can do and that. he
1: likes his blue stripes and that's what he's using no
0: he's actually using the uh the black faces the rev d's
1: well he also does something with the blue stripes on his mix bus though
0: no, none of the mix bus. I think he has one blue stripe that he uses for vocals, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. And the Rev Ds, he actually said it, one of his pure mix things are like from a Motown studio. They're not matched. He came from two different areas. One's probably broken, and he just hasn't touched them in like 15 years.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Cool. I have, right. the, I have the video. We can check it out later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. So he's talking about in-the-box summing, yes. which is...
0: I'm very familiar. I used to use that NLS suite actually before cool. I got, it's we'll what prompted me. It, Cause to, okay. I don't
1: ha- I just read the manual. Oh, so if you, okay. yeah, yeah if you I used have a it, lot
0: of firsthand experience with this. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'm just so, gonna sit back. <laughs> okay. So check this out. This was actually a fun test. So like when I first got into the waves and stuff, okay. I was really attracted to the the neat. Okay, so I'll break down what, what they all sound like for people that are kind of interested in the topic. Okay, the EMI on that setting is really spongy. It's got a sucked up top end. It's very grainy and it's like inflated in a low MIDI kind of way. I never found myself using it too often because I felt it was too cloudy for EDM or for most in the box music. The SSL just felt like clean gain. I I didn't feel any SSL tone out of it at all. And Tyler said he didn't. It no, t- he said he doesn't like that one because no. he's like wasn't getting anything. No, out of it. it really doesn't do much. Um, it, it, really, I think it's it's nothing to, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> it's like you're buying. Yeah, <laughs> you're buying. You're buying what you think to be. And they change the color and they change yeah. the knob. You know, so it's like you. Th- oh, cool SSL mode. No, that's not nothing. It's not <laughs> doing shit. Um, the Neve mode on the other hand is the only usable one in my opinion. Unless you're going for that really like the EMI, would be great for spongy rock like dirty seventy beatles esque you know indie rock that's supposed to just be filthy and gnarly yeah dom loves that shit Mm -hmm. um not really i know so um okay so (laughs) the neve ones don't want to use here's the thing though um it's not a summing mixer it's not close to a summing mixer tyler you know this you already said that it's pretty much just like it's just gain staging your mix differently that's all it is also it's all it's doing in um, reality he
1: also said on i was kind of grilling him about it just so I could get more inside his head, which I could do um, on the Facebook post. Yeah. And he said all he was getting is a little bit of depth and uh, color out of it. and That's, that's basically just contrast, that's though. No, that's basically what a summing mixer does. Yeah,
0: but like, okay, what he's saying, though, is he's like, he's thinking he got a summing mixer. Okay, that's step A. It's not a summing mixer. It's a plug-in, which is really falsely advertised in my opinion that's one of the drawback about a lot of the wave stuff is they sound it make it sound like way shit's way cooler than actually is. it's not that cool so for one um it's not a true summing mixer and i know this because well that's what prompted me so like i'm gonna get to this in a minute but because of this i actually on my computer still for one of my remixes i did i ordered a dangerous two bus i had my d box and i got the burl and I actually shot all of them out and recorded them. And I recorded the EMI setting, the SSL setting, the Neve setting. Oh, you did, yeah. I remember that? that? Yeah, you, I forgot you, you did it files. with this. Yeah. Well, I
1: didn't. I actually don't remember hearing these ones, but you did. I forgot you did it with the plugin too.
0: I did, I, and yeah. that because that was what I was using for the longest time. Want to time. see if you could get away with using well, it? Well, totally. And not only that, I'd never personally heard an analog summing mixer, so I got the Waves one. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. But what I started using the Waves one more, it's not a useless plugin. It's great for gain. It's great to add on individual tracks. I I would just use it as a glorified gain knob. Yeah, I'm sure you it can, does a thing. It you does know, a thing. It just oh, has, yeah, yeah. It, it has tone. You know, all those options are cool. Um, they don't sound like Neve. They don't sound like SSL. They don't sound like Chandler, or EMI. But, you know, they sound like something and it does give a mix some flavor. And I actually did a couple mixes a couple years ago where I use those on every subgroup to change the harmonic contour. So I would say that's the reason to use a plugin like that is for that would be contrasting. That would be harmonic saturation contrast. So maybe your drum bus has an SSL tone that's brighter and cleaner your guitar bus has you know uh the neve on it and then maybe the pads have the emi or something oh, like that or the bass or something yeah, anything. Or needs, yeah. yeah that would be a great way to create contrast with the mix um so here's the thing you're you're going to get a touch of depth but that is really due to gain staging. It's not really giving you a depth in mix like a Summing Mixer would. You're really just running it through one plug-in with circuitry, and my guess is they probably attenuated or you know boosted up those faders like a quarter decibel or something like that because that's the way it always sounded to me. Even with the faders flat, I felt like it wasn't really spatially giving me something Summing Mixer-esque. It yeah. was kind of just alterating the gain ever so slightly to where I was being tricked into perceiving you know I was hearing summing. So... The cool thing is, is I got the D-Box as a monitor controller, and I bought it for the summing capability. Got in a Dangerous 2-Bus Plus, or 2-Bus LT, which is the stripped-down version of it. Uh, Same summing as the Dangerous one. And then got the Berlin. Ran the same mix through it, the same stems, and I say this a lot, but night and day. I'm talking like... Holy shit. My entire world changed when I got into analog summing. Dom was in analog summing too. We wind up, I'll let him kind of talk about that and what he had with his analog summing rigs and where he's at now. But um, I would say rather than trying to achieve analog summing in the box, I would recommend finding the cheapest Eight channel or sixteen channel analog summer. You can a lot of them. Like ToneLux makes a cheap one. Um, there's some good ones out there. You can get for five hundred to eight hundred bucks. I would highly recommend anybody use one, even if that's your only piece. You don't even have analog, just to run your faders instead of choking them down one tube bus. Because that's the thing with the wave stuff. It's still going through the same choked up stereo output. With an analog system, you're splitting it out over multiple analog channels. That's really where the magic is right there.
1: Yeah, and some people argue that most of the magic's actually happening in the output stage. Sure. Um, But I do hear a difference. Which is very true, too. But I also hear, because a lot of times when we're starting a mix, like Chris and I, or especially Chris, you'll have it running through only two channels of his burl. Right. But it still does something. Yeah. And the output stage of the burl is just fantastic. Yeah. And it's just an analog output stage. Right. Um, But when you do end up spreading it out more, you do hear a difference. Oh, yeah. And it's about yeah and i feel like what percentage wise what do you think it's adding to the mix
0: <sighs> oh, a lot And that's my opinion. I'm
1: saying 4%.
0: Oh, I would say 15, 20. Mm. That's just my perception of it. When it's all about- I think that's pretty generous. I I think going back to Steve's question in talking about 3D depth and talking about imaging and talking about contrast and separation, just inserting a summing mixer, I feel does that tenfold.
1: I feel like the Burl does it because with the the dangerous D-Box
0: summing, I feel like it's maybe- 2% at the most. No, I think, you know, because I I started just in the last few days since we hooked up my D-Box summer, which I haven't used in a while. I've been running some random things through it. It's just it's so clean. It's not as drastic like with the Burl. It's such a colored unit like it can be clean that I think it's easier to detect and they have a whole different mechanism there. But I've actually really come to appreciate the dangerous stuff. In fact, I'm actually kind of bummed now that you don't have your two bus plus anymore because now that my ear is better and I think I know what to listen for on a deeper level. I actually that I would really like the Dangerous because I feel like my I'm kind of gravitating in the direction of creating depth in a clean way. And I feel like Dangerous is kind of the king of that. And they do yeah. such a great job. No, it would be great to, uh, if you could somehow get
1: one in, we could oh, AB I, it. I would love to. I'm sure yeah. they're just going to sound different. Um, oh, yeah. For I sure. would definitely, yeah, I'm sure I'd be able to hear it better too now. Yeah. But the Burl has, uh, I want to say it just has more channels. Has That's twice all it as is. Many. Twice as many. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it'd be cool to have both. But uh, I, I just, I guess I disagree and think that it's a lot less of an impact because, um, I don't think it's going to make or break a mix. I think if you are Nothing amazing- will
0: in theory, make a break or mix Exactly. Though, so know? No I guess what, I don't think do
1: everyone that. should just run out and get a, um, a, uh, Summing mixer because I think running it back through your focus right it's actually going to detriment it more than just mm. having the
0: summing mixer. It's a very good point. Because you, you make just
1: dumb. yeah the converters are a big deal. Right, and we we're fu- I've been trying to tell him it's important already, but he's. <laughs> I,
0: I guess I've kind of forgotten because yeah. I have been using good converters for so long. I just assume everybody has good converters. No, not at all, dude.
1: That's what I'm saying. You can't just run out
0: to a summing mixer. Okay, well then then go let, back and let into, me modify my statement yes, ever so slightly do. and say this that the in okay the waves version will be better than nothing um no summing mixer will be better than a summing mixer if you have cheaper converters because you want to keep your round trips out a to dda D, as minimal as possible and i will say the only reason i feel like my summing mixer makes a big difference on my mixes <laughs> is because i have really good converters and pretty adequate clocking to make sure <laughs> that all these things are harmoniously communicating together so yeah, I, I would say the waves doesn't do much. Um, it doesn't make sense if unless your interface ballpark is like fifteen hundred dollars like I wouldn't say it's even worth it. Like unless you're on a Lynx Aurora or an Antelope or a Universal Audio or a Waves DigiGrid or an Uprun Focus Focusrite. Like if you're using a eight-channel Focusrite for 600 bucks or a two-channel, like, I mean, your monitoring path is crap at that point. Let's just be real. You know, it's it's totally colored. It's, it's circuitry that isn't really giving you the authentic uh, translation of the mix anyways. And then the converters are just going to be heavily, heavily, heavily saturated with their own kind of tone. So it's like, not to say crap meaning bad, just crap meaning essentially if you're trying to get depth and imaging and all this stuff out of a $200 converter, you're kind of kidding yourself.
1: Well, and to put it in perspective, we both had those that's where we all started. Yeah, I, and I, I yeah, wasn't I'm, summing. No, <laughs> I didn't no, start summing I didn't even until I think had about summing.
0: Like, no, yeah, no. yeah exactly. So
1: I, I think it's a priority. Oh, another thing. thing is too, they wouldn't have the outs. They would. That's so. That's another. They usually thing you have, have two to... outs. Exactly. Yeah. So the, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. he hasn't talked about. He <laughs> was Saying true. everyone should run out. Right. Because most people don't even have eight outs. Like the probably the yeah. most yeah. common interface people have is a Scarlet two one two. Yeah, yeah. Or two I I forget what they call two I two. Yeah, yeah. And that has two outs, two ins. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, yeah, it might have t- four, whatever. It's not enough right, for something. Right, 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 It's not enough. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: I think this is a good thing to bring <laughs> up because I'm glad we're actually talking about this. Is like, is okay. Like, put it this way: it, the the digital counterparts for stuff like summing, like y- you can't. It's it's called analog summing for a reason. You know, you're splitting things between multiple channels. All those channels have circuitry. The inputs have circuitry. The output. You're you're getting man-made products. You know, like literally crafted by hand. Whereas the digital component, you're still running through the exact same output chain, signal path, monitoring path, converter path, et cetera. Nothing can really improve that radically. If you're trying to create an analog summing five, which in my opinion would be for width, Depth and clarity, right? To give yourself a more... <laughs> the thre- big three. The big three. <laughs> 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 For sure. Everyone <laughs> wants more of that. They do. Um, I would say... That's why they joke about it on the Kush podcast
1: they do. all the time. I because did. that's what everyone I know. says. With, yeah. I, know,
0: I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. But <laughs> that's the thing is like there isn't one component here that's going to make a big difference. You have to kind of prioritize yes. your system. And I would say based on how I did it, and how you did it too, and how we're doing it now, I would I would go in this order. I would get the best converters you possibly can afford first. I would then get a dedicated monitoring path second, like even as cheap as a Dangerous D-Box, which is great. And the best news is, the Dangerous D-Box has summing involved. So you can start in that and see exactly. if you like it. Exactly. So literally I for, started with one too. I had one a while back it's, as well. I still use the D-Box. Yeah. I love the D-Box. It's great. The summing is great. The monitoring path still, to this day, five years after it was made is still one of the cleanest, best monitoring paths out there, especially at the price point. And you get headphone amps, talkback mic, etc. So that means for under twenty five hundred dollars, you can get a D box and you can get a pro interface with sixteen or eight channels, high quality converters, good clocks, and summing all together. And that right there will radically increase your game. But I think yeah. anything below that is essentially, if you're going to spend 800 bucks and get a six channel or eight channel interface and a summing mixer without a monitoring path, et cetera, I just don't feel like you're going to hear that much of a difference and you're probably going to be bummed about spending that much money. And it's funny.
1: Um, I told uh, my brother Nate the other day that, or literally yesterday, I was like, I would rather work in the box and have all of my high quality converters in summing Without any of my gear, but still be able to sum, then have all the gear and then go back to shitty converters with no summing. Yep, because I feel like I it helps me use the tools better. Right, like I feel like in the boxes because I'm already getting well, especially the Burl converter I'm using. So you know I can get a lot of vibe out of that. So it would I just would rather do that. Yeah. Um, even cause I'm only using like right now on my mic, my track, I'm doing a same thing as you, no reverb, very minor, like placeholder compression, you know, mm-hmm. just like you have, just yep. like just seeing what I like. Yep. Um. But I'm finding that I'm just liking everything more Yeah. and just things are coming together better. I'm like surprised that I can even make it better. Cause I feel like it's done.
0: No, I, I agree. You know,
1: and it's just the same way. It's like, how do I even make this better? And it's fun. It's like, you're just enhancing things. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's, that's, it's, it's important to get your, because of that, like, um, heed my words, saying that I don't need my analog gear because my core of my studio, meaning the interfaces, conversion, my monitors, um, my listening environment is all professional. And I would rather go in the box, but still it's not in the box totally, but have my analog summing with my two professional converters for monitoring and uh, capturing, and then just have all plugins besides that. Um, I couldn't agree more, but I'm not ever going to do that, but no, no, never, never. I will never get rid just of all as my a hardware, disclosure, but no, I'm saying sure. I would rather do that. Right. And I feel like my pro- products would still be better than only having crappy converters
0: in a lot of analog Absolutely. hardware. Absolutely. And and to be fair, we both did that too. I yeah. know when I went from my Focusrite interface up to my Apogee interface to my Universal Audio interface, like I was like blown away every, every time. time. I, I was like, "Oh my god, same this thing is with monitors so much stuff Oh, too. totally everything." Yeah. Totally. And the same thing when I went from the Alesis, the Genelex, and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, it's like like the gear like, I, I started getting hardware, so did you, after all that was done. Like, I had good, I had decent yeah, monitors, I had good converters, you know, it's like, I had the, what I would call the heart of the studio, yeah. pumping blood to the whole studio. That was all really, really healthy and really, really strong. Then I was like, cool, now I can inject a pair of EQs in this, because you think about it, even if you inject hardware, it's the same problem with a cheap interface. It's just not going to sound that good, and you're really not maximizing the hardware. You might as well just use plugins at that point. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the plugins. It's going to be easier and more efficient. Totally. Hard- Hardware You're is just a not going to capture. Yeah. Well, think about it. Yeah. You can't capture a three thousand dollar hardware EQ through a two hundred dollar converter monitor path combo. It just—it's not going to make any sense. And that's for the yeah. expense. Like, get all the UAD plugins for that exact same price, and use all the UAD plugins across your mixes. That's going to sound way better than buying a couple of EQs out of the box. But that's what we're
1: using our summing mixers for as well. Um, is because we're not capturing it right away all no. the arc it's hitting in one converter on the way out it's going back into the summing mixer which is still in the analog realm and right. then it's being captured at the very end by one pair of converters right. to capture the, the whole mix right so it's kind of like a mini console we're using it very much, much so pretty much um
0: but uh, which in yeah. my opinion is like the true hybrid oh like that's the epitome of the hybrid method right there yeah. which is why i love it so and
1: much and that's another testament too is things like because we're talking about how we keep getting new things and we're like blown away right right um the stuff i keep especially is the stuff where every time i plug it in i'm like god damn it yeah you know I it's know. like the burl even though it's colored and it can be really clean but it's always gonna be a little colored it's right colored, yeah. but um compared to dangerous well, it's not
0: advertising to be clean it's advertised to yeah, be fucking but, colored. Mean, yeah, yeah but i mean yeah which is why i like it yeah, yeah.
1: but uh sometimes every time Other times i'm
0: like damn it it's too colored
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you're always hitting it hard <laughs> I, I am pretty, I hit it, I hit it pretty <laughs> not, <hard>. but um <laughs> It's like every time I put that in, I'm like, why did I think I could get away with not using this? Right. You know, that's so that but I didn't do that with any of my other summing mixers, which is the dangerous stuff. But um, that's just personal taste um, because plenty of people use the dangerous stuff and have great results that are way better than mine. And they just are better mixers than me and get better audio files, you know good
0: good, yeah, good combo but that's all personal taste yeah. too it's like what is their style what 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 do they usually do like you know like a lot of guys are are like they're dead set on i want to be as transparent as yeah. possible i don't want any sonic signature and if that's your style then obviously you want something like a dangerous that gives you that pristine audio path
1: yeah the Burl would be hard to test though like it'd be fun to do the problem is is you can't At its cleanest setting, it's still gonna add something to the depth of the mix. And so you can't just take it off and put it on and be like, oh, it's adding too much color, or how much, really see how much color it's adding, because you're always gonna be hearing the width and the depth and you're always gonna think it's better right uh, you know i'd always take that sure. over the little bit of color oh, absolutely because it can get really clean oh, still but, i don't yeah. mind the color at all i i think at yeah, just clean setting i honestly can't even i don't know here no, it, yeah. it sounds clean the problem too. is is it's hard, easy to get
0: past that oh yeah this dangerous oh,
1: stuff stays clean all that's the, the way thing is like i, I like think there's yeah. no
0: gain staging issues I, I will say this that like and this is again like anybody could agree or, disagree or just or ranted, or rambling or just ranting. now yeah, just for fun we love talking about this we do we do i would say this that if you're going to choose if you're if you're thinking about a smoothie mixer get yourself one with tonal options because i think that was my only gripe with the dangerous and why i didn't go that direction is it does clean it does clean damn well but that's all it does. The two bus plus though, has tonal options. It does. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, like go with a model like that, that gives you that, like the Burl, the harder you hit it, the, the difference it changed. Yeah. The Phoenix audio just made one. That's really the same way. The, the Neve Summing mixer is really great. You can hit it harder, set it soft, mm-hmm. just like a Neve. So it's like, the thing is, I would say, get something that like, you, if you don't know what your style is yet, you don't know what you're trying to do. Mixing wise, spend a couple extra bucks, get the extra transformers, the plus six option, the headroom option, the couple features, some of these offer, and you know, have a versatile box at your disposal that's really where you're going to feel like the most bang for your buck versus committing to one sound that you read somewhere or watched a couple videos and think that's cool but you don't really know if that's the the sound you're going to want to be your sound so that's kind of my only piece of idea piece of idea cool so um that uh that's how we like to use our
1: summing it's completely different than the waves nls thing um that's not something, man. It's, Sorry, it's just, I hate to break it to it's, you, but it's not. I mean, but if you it, know
0: that. I think he knows that too. That's yeah, why he's frustrated.
1: No, I don't think he's. Fr- I think he's just. He likes what it does. He says it makes a world of difference. And I feel like if it's working for you, then perfect. Yeah, you totally. know, it's it's gonna give color. Totally, it's gonna give some sort of saturation, and it's
0: gonna be awesome. It is. You know,
1: I mean, it's I, like I, it's just not comparing it to what no. we're working with. It's just different things but i will say this
0: which is cool if you think the nls sounds good use the shit out of that and wait till a year from now when you get to get a summy mixer because they like if you're that excited about the nls which i was i used it for over a year on all my mixes and i was fucking pumped about it you're gonna be that much more pumped i think that's the best part about music production audio engineering is like each next step yeah. is so exciting. So use the tools you have now with passion. Like be super grateful for them, and just know that your sound just evolved. Getting the NLS summing mixer, and when you're ready to jump ship to some other converters and a better one, like you're gonna be all that excited all over again, times like a hundred. And I think, like, I don't know about you, but I definitely started loving tone, like from oh, yeah. the gear. Oh yeah, like you mixing know me, gear? I use most of my gear just for tone.
1: No, but now I really. Enjoy clean almost oh, more love clean you know love so it's clean. like it's it's almost like a professional sound is choosing when to use tone right and it's like really like because that's contrast again it's right. choosing what has the character right. and it can be pretty subliminal like especially oh, yeah. if you're not if you're just an average listener that has no interest in audio production. All of this is subliminal.
0: They have oh. no idea what they're listening to. Just when that vocal Use the super tone distorted, to convey the emotion yeah. or the feeling, and emphasize yeah. what's in the mix that you need. Like, like a good example of that would be, like in my opinion, if it's a grungy song. Like I remember a while back, Dom and I mixed like the same track, yeah. and it's like. I I listen to his, I listen to mine. I'm like, wow, this is cool. There's such, and we talked about this on a previous podcasts, like previous takes, but it's like the song had an essence that as a mixer, like your job, like on the more spiritual side of things is to like close your eyes and tap into that and use the tone to make things more emotional. Like if the singer is growly and raspy, that's a great thing for a tone. If the guitar is this beautiful harp-like you know, thing that's so perfect and pretty, clean it up you know make it as pristine as you possibly can and really preserve that essence in the mix
1: yeah that was interesting that was a fun little thing because yeah. i i went into it trying to mix the way i did it and my style of mixing is wide and i want to make things sound clean and wide i just love that sound sure and it's a great sound i just I'm probably going to end up getting clients that like that sound more and more because that's just my style. And the song didn't call for what I did. And I was also like, things changed so much in a year. I would have mixed that song if I know when it wasn't, if that one wasn't for a client or anything and I was just having fun to get it. And it was, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, Yeah. But if you're mixing for someone and they give you something, then let the song tell you what to do. Don't, like, I would never put my predispositions of automatic before I even went listen to that mix. I was like, I'm gonna try to make things sound wide and processed and professional and like way too studio quality. And it was like, I transformed the song, like, it wasn't the same song anymore.
0: No, you know, so it's uh, that don't do that, <laughs> but well, I want to say too to pick up there is even if you're working on your own mixes, like. Like what Dom is saying is like go into the song with a vision, but listen to the song first and see what the Get song. Get the vision needs. after, yeah, listening and then to yeah, it. obviously don't just go in with a <laughs> yeah. vision. And be like I'm gonna impose yeah. my vision on this song, but like um like with your own music after you're done producing and literally done producing, we've talked about this in previous yeah. podcasts. Take a break, forget the song exists. Take a week, a two weeks if you need to write a new song. Go back to it with fresh ears and then ask yourself, okay, now that I'm ready for the mix, what does this song need? And I think that is probably the most, it it takes a little while to put out music and the process is a little bit longer, but I feel like you'll be way happier with your mixing if you can truly be objective. And if you rush out of producing and into mixing too quickly, I think that you're a little biased and you're probably going to make decisions which really don't capture the emotion of the song because you're trying to strengthen your sound design or your production technique. And that might not be the song. Those might just be the elements of the song that you like. So I think removing yourself to see the big picture of the whole song versus the little details that you composed is a really healthy thing to do as a producer who's also engineering his own music.
1: Yeah. When I go into a mix, um, especially if it's not mine, like I like to, you know, some people are trying to just be mixing engineers and not make their own music. Um, I go in thinking I'm not going to have to do anything to this. Cause then you don't cause then you don't, I'm, I don't even need to touch a fader. Cause Be then you start, yourself. no. Yeah. And then, but then you, you go into that thinking, oh, I don't need to do anything. But then you're like, wait, this balance is all wrong. And right. so you're like, I need to do this. And then it's like, okay, now I'm done. But the vocals are way too pokey. Right. Now they're too dull. Like, you know, let things come up naturally. Cause I'll think a, I used to read, we all, I still do. And like watch podcast or watch, uh, listen to podcasts and get a lot of info on how to do different techniques still. I don't implement them right away because I learned it. I wait until the song calls for it. Like dynamic EQ, that was honestly the first time I've ever used it in a mix because I thought I needed it because I just, it's unlike you. I just don't rely on it a lot. But I had that in the back of my head and I learned about dynamic EQ at least a year ago and on someone, I've used it not on my own mixes but on someone else's and I was like, I need to use this. And so I didn't rush to use it because I didn't need to. I probably experimented with it in the past, but just didn't feel like it was necessary or something. Yeah. So just less is more. But then at the end, you might have the whole mix freaking crushed and saturated because you thought it needed it. But don't go in thinking this is my style and it needs it. Just think, oh no, I need a little bit more on that saturation plugin. Oh, I need a little bit more on my compressor. Then by the end, you just do little steps. And I feel like that's great. And that helps with the breaks because when you come back, you can be objective. Even breaks during the day. If you have a timeline, like an eight hour timeline, giving yourself a good break in the middle instead of going through it will be better even
0: though you have less oh, missing I time. it's paramount. I feel yeah. like if you don't, you're probably making bad decisions because oh, yeah. your ears will get fatigued, you will get biased and it will be bad. Um, yeah, I think if I could end with anything, it'd be yeah. that, um, you know, like, Don was talking about kind of having a style going into Hit of, you know, what he's trying to achieve as a mixer. I think it's really good to have that vision and have like an idea of what you want. Um, But I think it's also good simultaneously to realize that it's like your practice uh, is going to limit you. So if you have a set of beliefs, if you have things that you're like trying to stick to, you're now putting labels on yourself and you're putting limitations on your own growth. So I would say as you go into the song, it's, it's okay to have signature things. All mixers have signature things. Every Tony Maserati mix. Sounds like a Tony. Every one of your mixes
1: I've heard sounds similar.
0: Yeah, they very much do. Because we hear a certain way and it's not a bad thing. It's just we like things sounding a certain way. The reason why mixing is fun is that, like, you mix music like you like to listen to music. Yeah. It's just that simple. So it's like you like to listen to music that's way different than I like to listen to music. Therefore, your mixing style is never going to sound like mine, nor should it. Know where I want it to. So that's the cool part. All I'm simply saying is like, once you dive into your process and you say, okay, this is my style. This is the kind of music I like. These are the mixes I admire. These are the engineers that I look Mm -hmm. up to kind of thing is then saying, okay, I know that, but now I'm going to be me. You know, now I'm going to do my thing with my influences. You know, it's like, like how bands over time, how, you know, Metallica was influenced by Motorhead and in the beginning, all their stuff sounded very Motorhead-esque and then they became Metallica. And then before you knew it, Avenge Sevenfold came out and became Metallica of today, you know, and it's like these couple bands like them and you factor like Iron Maiden into that, they all have similar styles, but somewhere along the way they develop their own individuality. So I think that, you know, with, with mixing, especially it's like have the things you love, about the mixes, have the mixing engineers you love, but it's like, don't forget about creating you along the way. Don't just try to emulate what somebody else is doing. It's like, learn the rules, shatter the rules, recreate your own rules, and then move into the mix with the mindset of there's never any rules. There's only what feels good in the moment. And what does the song, the best service. And I think if you stick to that, you're off to a winning recipe for success. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I
1: definitely followed by that too. That mix a year ago was, uh, my only time I've ever gone in saying, I want to make this sound produced Mm -hmm. because I just challenged myself because I could, no one was paying me, no one was paying me. You're the only person who's going to hear it.
0: No, but (laughs) if you're not going to the studio to have fun and to learn and grow, why are you going in in the first place?
1: It's just, but the way I hear, and that's just amazing because I can't emulate the way TM hears Tony Maserati. TM. (laughs) (laughs) I can't emulate the the way uh, Chad Blake hears, you know? Um, TB. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh. Uh, it's like we hear a certain way. And when we have the choice of the frequencies and all these things, it's just beautiful that we choose different ones. Right. And I hear it in my mixes. I hear it in your mixes. I hear it in Steve's mixes. He's probably the next person that I've heard the most mixes from, honestly, because sure. I participate in his group when I feel like it. And yeah. uh, um, we all choose frequencies a certain way. And it's funny because like we listen to other people's mixes and we're so... We choose our frequencies and it's like, I just don't see why they chose those frequencies, but you just have to understand that subjective perception of listening and liking music, and it's just you just have to understand that that's just people hear different ways you know it's just that's just what it is it go it goes down to literally our anatomy it's not the gear because even if i was only using plugins with no summing with shitty converters my mixes would still resemble the mixes i have now because i would still gear are just
0: tools to achieve your vision it's no different than me slapping a canvas in front of you and some paint and brushes and you're going to paint a certain way with the brushes that you have to achieve your vision you know it's they're just they're just mechanisms to get you get the sound that you hear in your head to come at you through the speakers in the way that you want it to that's really yeah
1: i mean the paintbrush analogy is really good i mean if i had a if i've been using a big paintbrush this whole time because i like the way the strokes are right and then i switch to a small paintbrush i would still my eye would be like like the big paintbrush in the way where i'd try to emulate the big paintbrush with my small paintbrush or you just would never get rid of the big
0: paintbrush or if i
1: had to like i'm saying that my instincts would still tell me to try to get big strokes you know so um but get the gear get the stuff that aligns with you if you love that nls summing to bring it back yeah if that aligns with you and you've been at, you've been getting good compliments or any good vibes from your mixes you like it you're having fun with it use it use the right. shit out of it don't right. let anyone change it if you hear real summing real analog summing and you still like the nls because he just vibes with you right. still use it you know not one's better than the other no. Because that's comparing, and that's the thief of joy. But one can align with you better. And for Chris and I, we align with these really elaborate, expensive setups that we would not want to impart on everyone else because it's just a –
0: Bucket of money. <laughs> it is. It is a bucket. A, the buckets, really, yeah. of money. I, okay. Uh, as a final, final thought, I'll say this: that no, we, the, know,
1: yeah, we're just gonna keep
0: talking oh, until fan- we decide to stop. Fantastic. Just, All right. Uh, we don't have to finalize anything. Oh, we don't. live living, living in the moment. Yeah. Um. Okay. I, I. The only reason. The only reason that I have dumped these buckets of money into this is because, in my awareness, as this person, I call Chris. I'm aware of this existence. I may have come here before. I'll probably come here again. I don't quite know. But all I know is as this incarnation of Chris, I like music and I like the tools that are involved in music. And to me, it's funny because I I just spent time, I won't say who, but with like a, a quasi famous engineer slash educator. And I could tell that like the approach that he had towards gear was like, they're just tools you know, they're not, they're, they're fun, you know, but they're like, I have this because it does that. Like when I look at my gear, I'm like, Oh my, this thing is so fucking cool. And I've wanted one of these my whole life. And it's like, I'm excited about it. Like it, it gets me, it makes me feel good, you know? So it's like, gets I've you in the
1: studio more.
0: It, it does. And it makes me feel more creative. And yeah. I'm not saying that you don't, you don't need money to be creative. You don't, you absolutely don't. It's, it's more like, for where I've gotten in my process, like I'm going to die one day, this existence of Chris is going to be over and I just want to spend it doing things I love. And I want to spend my time doing things that I enjoy. And for me, I just felt like I didn't want to not experience all the hardware I possibly could in this life. Cause that's a component of my ego and my reality and my personality that I really like. And I don't think it's wrong to indulge that. So am I not paying bills? No. Am I not like taking care of people I need to take care of? No. Am I still not being generous? No. Like my addiction to gear is not consuming me. I just see it as like, Hey, I understand I have a slight problem (laughs) with gear and that's okay. But like for me, it justifies my experience and because of that, I'm okay with it. I mean, just look at anyone's
1: like any pro's, back room you know even if they're in the box now angie Shep still has 100 of his gear you know and it's like that's even worse because he's not even using it it anymore
0: look at pensato he's got a warehouse full of gear he yeah he still uses stuff though yeah but but he's he's got literally like a dozen api 550a vintages that are sitting in a box somewhere because he bought them for 75 dollars back in the 80s off some guy at a pawn shop yeah. that's a whole different level yeah
1: so that is
0: some crazy that's some crazy shit that's right some there. crazy shit man but yeah. It, uh, yeah also what i was gonna say is like like the reason i enjoy hardware it's like a backwards it's a backwards stereotype because like a lot of these guys and this is what confuses me about people that are talking all this stuff but i'm 100 in the box it's like good for you andrew chefs but it's like he's just wants some change in his life like He's tired of routing shit through a console and setting up recalls and stemming out a board and like, you know, configuring all the hardware and sending things in to get repaired. I get why a guy who's been out of the box for 35 years wants to go in the box, make it simple, you know, simple work on a laptop and, you know, still be able to use a couple of choice pieces like for me and Dom. We started on laptops. My first studio was a computer somebody gave me with a half a gig of RAM and like a tenth of a megabyte or you know, half, of, half a megabyte of RAM and like a two gigabyte hard drive. And everything was done through my computer with free plugins that were in Fruity Loops and Acid and stuff like that. So it's like to be at a position where I'm blessed enough to own hardware and to make the music, it's because it's different than the way I spent making music for a decade, which was on a computer. So the fact that I get to use the computer now in conjunction with the hardware is really cool for me because it makes my experience more exciting. But if I guarantee, I guarantee, if I learned on hardware and spent 30 years behind a desk and said I can do all this from a laptop now and it sounds pretty good and I can have all my Neve stuff, my Shadow Hills and all this stuff, then I'd be pretty excited too. So I think like the the cool thing is the evolution. I know we've talked about this a lot in in different podcasts, but it's like In the concept of analog summing converters like music never gets old, like the process never gets stale. You're always growing, you're always evolving, your ear is getting better, your tastes are defining, your palate is changing, your skills are sharpening. Like there are so many factors here that come together. Every step is exciting. Every new converter, every set of new monitors, every pair of headphones, your first piece of hardware, your last piece of hardware, your patch bay, the cables, like a word clock, all these things are like equally as exciting. So I would say like, just go at your own pace, and just remember that like, just to be grateful for what you have and use the tools that you have and just don't get bummed out about what you don't have. I know a lot of people don't, which is really cool, especially that listen to us they're you know, come at things from a great grateful approach, but it's like, I think that that for me is like the the center point. And if you stay aligned with gratitude, you know, and you are grateful for what you have and you are happy and you are treating people in your life well, and you're living in a state of passion and you're eating well and you're doing things, you're going to manifest more, you know, more plugins, more gear, more opportunities, working with more talented people and stuff like that. And that's a really cool feeling to know that it is a constant state of evolution. So I think that's the best part about it is any dollar you spend is a dollar in the right direction. Any hour you spend is an hour in the right direction. It's just up to you to how deep you want to go into the process and you know where you want to be at the end of the rainbow. Sorry. That was pretty long. That was pretty,
1: pretty long. Oh, Shit um oh shit we're like oh we're like hour and a half we gotta get out of here man we do gotta get out of here this is by (laughs) by
0: by far we
1: could have cut this in a two podcast god damn no that's great stuff man it Um, is i'm just being fuck i know you were dom i know Um, you were cool um anything
0: you want to add i got nothing else to say I'm going to get a T.
1: Yeah, we're done. We got to go take some caps out of an API 2500.
0: Mm, We do. Plug-in version. Of of (laughs) course, yeah. We're we're going to reverse
1: engineer that bitch. Peace. We love you all. Later, guys. Bye.